Welcome everyone, my name's Tom Hughes, I'm speaking to you from Cardiff and I'm delighted to restart the BMJ Practical Neurology podcasts after a break over the summer due to things like COVID. This podcast is about vaccination, which is timely, apposite and highly relevant. Protecting people with multiple sclerosis through vaccination by Dr. Saul Rays is the editor's choice in this month's Practical Neurology. If you subscribe to the Practical Neurology podcast on your favourite platform, you can get every new episode downloaded automatically to your phone or computer. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a review or a comment or some constructive feedback on the Practical Neurology Podcast iTunes podcast page. Thank you very much. We're back with a very interesting paper written by Dr. Saul Rays, who is a consultant neurologist in Colombia. Saul, how are you? Hi, uh, Dr. Hughes. Thank you uh, very much for, for inviting me to speak today. Um, this, uh, this topic is, is very important in clinical practice uh, because um, we know that vaccines are, are key to uh, prevent some serious infections and, and also its complications. And um, this is now clearer than ever that um, in this, in this COVID-19 pandemic is, is a reminder of the, of the importance of, of vaccines. And um, just to be straight, you were an MS clinical fellow in the Blizzard Institute in Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry when you did that work. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Thank you. Okay. Well, if anyone hasn't read this paper, I would strongly recommend it. But perhaps I could start by um, posing one or two difficult questions to you. Could you just apprise us of what you mean by the concept of vaccine hesitancy? It was a term I hadn't heard before. Yes, uh, vaccine hesitancy is, is uh, defined as a delay in the acceptance of vaccines or, or even more dangerous as a refusal of vaccines. And uh, it is true that vaccine hesitancy varies across place, time and, and vaccines, but it is happening everywhere in the, in the world. Could be happening in the people around you, not, not only among your patients, but also among your, your colleagues, which, which may also have an impact on how their patients feel about, about vaccines. So um, without any doubt, vaccine hesitancy is a, is a global uh, public health threat. And um, although most people um, are living in the UK trust the, the advice they get about vaccination from, from healthcare professionals, we do, uh, we do know that uh, vaccine hesitancy exists in the, in the UK. Um, in England, for example, uh, data from uh, last year showed that uh, vaccination coverage declined for, for all the vaccines that are routinely given to children. Um, and this um, has uh, consequences. The uh, recent rise in, in uh, measles cases in the UK, for example, is a testament to why we need to fight uh, vaccine hesitancy. And um, vaccination coverage is also uh, a challenge among adults in the UK. So, uh, for instance, uh, influenza vaccination coverage among adults with 
uh, neurological conditions is, is suboptimal in, in the UK at only 50% and should be ideally above 70%, if not 100%, especially among, among people in clinical risk groups. Yeah, so, so only, only a half of people with a neurological condition who should be vaccinated are actually vaccinated. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and unfortunately, there, there might also be some vaccine hesitancy um, among our patients with multiple sclerosis and, and among the healthcare professionals looking after them. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. So if, if we go back to the issue of vaccination and the development of multiple sclerosis, is there any evidence to say that vaccination can increase your risk of developing multiple sclerosis? Yeah, that's the uh, first question we need to, to answer here is, is are, are, are vaccines associated with the, with the onset of, of uh, MS? And um, uh, so we do have some uh, historical observations of, of post-vaccination encephalomyelitis and a few case, case reports of, of MS developing after hepatitis B vaccination back in, in the 90s. However, in the last uh, 20 uh, years, uh, many studies have, have, have failed to show any, any causal link between vaccination and the onset of, of MS. Mm, that's interesting. And um, you mention in the paper um, that if you can persuade all your MS patients to be vaccinated, that ideally, they would delay starting any immunotherapy until they've completed a full course of vaccinations. Is that true? Yes, yes. So that's true. Uh, some, some people with MS may experience delays in starting immunotherapies if they need to be vaccinated. Um, why? Because uh, some DMTs may not be uh, seen as, as very safe to start in, in patients with MS who are susceptible to some specific uh, vaccine preventable infections. So uh, clinicians may want to vaccinate these patients first and then uh, initiate some DMTs. Uh, these uh, shouldn't be a concern for clinicians about to start their patients in first generation DMTs, but um, it is for those who will be started on DMTs with an immunosuppressive effects such as uh, fingolimod and the uh, C20 monoclonal antibodies and, and, and the immune reconstitution therapies. So as a general rule, um, inactivated vaccines should ideally be given at least uh, two weeks before starting these DMTs. And uh, due to the risk of vaccine-transmitted disease, some live vaccines, uh, such as uh, MMR or varicella zoster virus, are generally not recommended during and less than four weeks before uh, immunosuppressive DMTs. So if you have to wait two to four weeks after vaccinations to start your patient on DMTs, it doesn't sound that bad, right? However, um, many of these vaccines require a two or a three dose schedule with, with a specific time frames. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we have, we have uh, HPV. Uh, uh, so the HPV vaccines uh, for which uh, three doses schedule at zero uh, one to two and six months over a period of, of maximum 12 months should be used. And uh, these uh, vaccination, for instance, will, will delay starting immunosuppressive therapies for more than six months. 
Um, but you can always time DMTs to, to maintain disease control while allowing effective vaccination. Again, the example could be the HPV vaccine. So in the case of um, some immunoconstitutional therapies like cladrin or, or alentuzumab, the initial two doses of the HPV vaccine could be given as, as per the regular schedule, zero and one month, which will delay the initiation of these DMTs by maximum six weeks. And then the third dose can be given uh, right after the reconstitution has occurred, which will be nine to, to 11 months down the line. So um, what I'm trying to say is that uh, we can always navigate any situation and make any treatment decisions, uh, keeping in mind that uh, both things are possible, controlling the disease and allowing effective vaccination. That's very interesting. So on a practical note then, if patients are receiving disease-modifying therapies and they need then to be vaccinated, how do these disease-modifying therapies affect their immune response to the vaccine? Yeah, that, that topic is key. So um, some uh, highly effective DMTs uh, may uh, affect the, the safety and efficacy of, of vaccines. Uh, first, in terms of inactivated vaccines, we don't have any, any particular concerns about vaccination in people with MS receiving uh, beta interferons, copaxone, teriflunomide, and DMF. Uh, but we know, uh, for instance, that inactivated vaccines may be less effective in, in people with MS on fingolimod or ocrelizumab. Um, for natalizumab, they, the evidence is a bit uh, contradictory, but some studies have um, suggested that the inactivated influenza vaccine may be less effective in, in patients receiving natalizumab. And uh, for um, clattering, for instance, we don't have any data at all. Um, for alentuzumab, we do know that uh, vaccination within six months of treatment could, could result in a smaller proportion of responders. Um, so ideally, uh, patients who require inactivated vaccines should be vaccinated at least six months after after the last course of uh, treatment with alentuzumab. And um, in terms of live vaccines, we don't have any data. The, the available studies are small and mainly looking at the new responses to, to inactivated vaccines. Um, and with live vaccines, the, the main concern is, the, is their safety. So again, due to the risk of vaccine-transmitted disease, some uh, live vaccines are not recommended during treatment with uh, immunosuppressive DMTs. Thank you. So I assume you have now incorporated vaccination history into every routine clerking of a new and a follow-up patient. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. We all need to be aware of, of, of the threats of not addressing this issue proactively with, with our patients. And so all healthcare professionals need to present correct information and promote opportunities for people with MS to, to be vaccinated. Thank you. And just on a practical note, are you aware of any guidelines that you would recommend for people who need to brush up on their knowledge of vaccination in MS? Yeah, well, uh, in this uh, paper, we present a set of recommendations that we have made with the BART-MS team at QMUL and the Health Protection Agency, which is, which is part of Public Health England. Um, regarding the use of, of individual vaccines applicable to adults with multiple sclerosis. So these recommendations are drawn on the, on the best available evidence and also on the experience of, of MS specialists, uh, neuroscience pharmacists, 
um, infectious diseases specialists and, and vaccine experts. Um, and although our recommendations focus on the, on the current uh, vaccines available in the UK, they are also in line with the WHO recommendations. So they are quite applicable on an international level. So I would like to, to invite everyone to have a look at our paper and share it with, with your colleagues. And just if I could choose from table one, one or two practical points. Um, varicella zoster vaccine in people over the age of 50 who have MS. What are your recommendations for that? So we have, we have um, varicella zoster vaccines for, for preventing um, herpes zoster and post-herpetic neuralgia in, in older people. Um, Zostavax, for example, is a life attenuated vaccine and, and Chingrix is, is a recombinant vaccine. Um, Chingrix is recommended by the CDC as the, as the preferred shingles vaccine, and this is because Chingrix seems to be um, more effective than Sostavax, especially among, among older patients. Um, however, Chingrix is not yet available under, under the NHS, but uh, we definitely recommend varicella zoster uh, vaccination for, for the prevention of herpes zoster and, and its complications in, in people with multiple sclerosis. Uh, older uh, than 50 to 60 years. And moving on to something more mundane, what about the ordinary influenza vaccination in patients with multiple sclerosis? So uh, vaccination against influenza is, is, is uh, very important because every year more than a half a million people die from complications of, of seasonal influenza worldwide. Um, and actually, uh, at VARS, we, we had a fatal case of influenza uh, pneumonia in a very disabled patients with multiple sclerosis who developed severe lymphopenia after, after receiving treatment with cladrin. And unfortunately, these, these patients had not had the, the influenza vaccine. So uh, we now recommend influenza, systematic influenza vaccination with with um, ideally inactivated vaccines for all patients with multiple sclerosis, their relatives and uh, their carers. There is also a, a life attenuated influenza vaccine available under, under the NHS, but this is, this is only licensed for, for children and, and adolescents. So you can still uh, give it to, uh, a patient, uh, to, to a patient with multiple sclerosis who is younger than 18, uh, but it will be contraindicated if the patient is immunocompromised because it is a life vaccine. Okay, thank you. That's very interesting. You mentioned the use of the Boostrix IPV vaccine, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, and polio, um, for women who are pregnant with multiple sclerosis. Could you talk me through the rationale for that? Yeah. Uh, so... We have uh, the uh, pertussis vaccine recommendation, which arouses as a recommendation following the 2012 epidemic of pertussis in the UK. In the UK. So um, a pregnant woman in the UK uh, should be, or are routinely offered the, the inactivated uh, influenza and also the inactivated diphtheria, tetanus, and a cellular pertussis vaccine. Um, this uh, vaccine, the pertussis vaccine, should ideally be administered uh, between the 20 to 32 weeks of pregnancy to, to allow optimal maternal antibody transfer across the, the placenta to help protect the fetus and newborn against uh, pertussis. However, uh, this vaccine can be given from as early as uh, 16 uh, weeks of uh, pregnancy. Um, clearly, 
education is an important issue for all healthcare professionals. How do you think healthcare professionals should be educated about this issue? One, uh, one thing we can do, for example, is, is we know that uh, primary care physicians are, are key influencers of, of vaccine decisions. So we should share with them all this uh, knowledge we have uh, gained on the best uh, use of vaccines in people with multiple sclerosis who are on, on DMTs. And um, this will be a way to support them in their mission to, to build confidence in vaccines. So education is definitely a solution to most of the challenges around vaccinating people with multiple sclerosis, definitely. So I have to ask you about vaccination and COVID. Do you think there are any special issues for patients with MS when there is finally a vaccination against COVID? I think that uh, now that a second wave of, uh, of COVID-19 has arrived, we should care about this because uh, many uh, patients with multiple sclerosis will inevitably have uh, uh, some uh, risk factors for, for severe COVID-19. And uh, sanitary rules or social distancing restrictions will not protect them in the, in the long term. So I do believe people with uh, multiple sclerosis should be vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2 when the, when the vaccine becomes available. Um, the same principles that we discussed for other vaccines apply when um, considering any future COVID-19 vaccine. Um, good news is that the uh, major uh, COVID-19 vaccine candidates are non-life vaccines and, um, and therefore have very few safety concerns in, in people with multiple sclerosis on DMTs. And um, again, vaccination and uh, DMTs can be time can be time to um, maintain disease control and also allow effective vaccination against uh, SARS-CoV-2. Thank you very much indeed. Well, that has been very interesting, very informative, and very important. I think for all readers of Practical Neurology to tune into your paper particularly the, the tables that summarise the very practical advice that we need to follow. And I'm very grateful to you, Dr. Reyes, for joining us from Colombia. And I hope we have an opportunity to meet again and talk again in the near future. Thank you. Sure. I'm very glad you like our, our paper and uh, thanks once again for the invitation. <laughs>